Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I pray that this uh, coming season will be filled with uh, good health, abundance, grace, and uh, most of all, an experience of God's loving presence. Well, everybody has a body. You have a body. I have a body. But more than that, we all have a relationship to our body, a, a set of attitudes, a certain perspective about our body based on everything from our culture to our theology to our upbringing, and then, of course, our own lived experience. Here's a question. How do you feel about your body? How do you feel about your body? Well, to be honest, for most of my life, I've felt pretty ambivalent toward my body. Uh, there's always been things I didn't like about it, some things I even hated. Other times I felt betrayed by my body as it succumbed to sickness and disease. Growing up, I was always the, the skinny, awkward kid. In my teenage years, I was the tall, lanky kid with big feet and poor posture, never very athletic. Uh, I've struggled with acne most of my life. I have horrible teeth that are always presenting problems. And I've suffered from chronic Lyme disease for over 15 years. You know, it's easy to see the body as a burden, even an enemy. And that perspective can come simply as a result from the normal wear and tear that comes with life lived in our bodies. But then you add to this my religious upbringing, which only seems to make things worse. See, I grew up in a spiritual tradition that viewed the body as dangerous, as the source of temptation. Uh, the so-called flesh was always being pitted against the spirit. We were taught to war against the flesh as if it was a part of our existence at odds with being a faithful Christian. And when you combine this with a, a, an escapist theology that reduces the gospel to simply saving souls, well then, yeah, the body becomes kind of unimportant or worse, treated with contempt. You know, every single one of us has a story that we could tell. We all have this complex set of feelings related to life in the body. But the good news is, is our stories are still being written. The way we relate to our bodies can change. See, what if we learn to not only accept, but even to love our body, even with all of its limitations and disappointments? What if we can discover our body as not an enemy, but rather as an ally in our spiritual formation? And what if we were shaped by a more beautiful gospel well, this, where salvation includes the whole of our existence, the healing of body, mind, and soul, a vision of redemption that, brace, that embraces all of creation. Well, today we're kicking off a new series of talks entitled Life in the Body, where we're going to address these questions and hopefully, hopefully help all of us not only relate to our bodies in a healthier way, but also see how our bodies and the well-being of our bodies are an important part of our spiritual lives. So why don't you pray with me? God, we thank you for your presence here with us this day. Wherever we find ourselves, however we find ourselves, we know that you are with us. And so we ask your blessing on our time together, 
a blessing on the reading of the scripture. Um, and may your spirit work in our hearts and minds, forming us more into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. I want to read just one verse uh, from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is what the scriptures say. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Well, throughout the ages, in many religious traditions, including oftentimes in Christianity, our bodies have been understood as a kind of prison, with the goal ultimately being to escape them. Stories were spun suggesting that a disembodied existence in the celestial heights was a much more suitable place for us than this organic mix of flesh and bones we drag around with us during this miserable earthly sojourn. But the scriptures will have none of this. You see, in the biblical creation account, there's absolutely no disdain or embarrassment over the breath of God co-mingling with grit and dust to form the first human. And God doesn't seem at all squeamish about placing his holy hands into this human side and taking a part of, of his flesh to shape a glorious partner. And then at the end of the day, when God steps back and looks at this first man and woman, the crowning achievement of his creation, that which he has literally poured his own heart and soul into, he declares it not only good, but very good. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. See, I believe that we are being invited to trust what God says about ourselves. Why don't you do this with me for a moment? Place a hand on your, ch on your chest and take a deep breath. Imagine this breath as the very breath of God, the ground of your being. And with your hands still on your chest, declare with me this. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And that very good includes your body. In fact, you could make this a kind of breath prayer that you could return to over the coming days and weeks ahead. You could shorten it to just two simple words, very good. Uh, if you're not familiar with a breath prayer, you usually link a phrase with your breath. And so on the inhale, you could simply say to yourself, very, and then the exhale, say good. And so do that once with me. Very good. Now, of course, we all know uh, that creation, while very good, has its limits, its, its disappointments. The bodies we bear do carry the burden of sin and sickness. But it's important to realize that this does not nullify its inherent goodness. It's not an either-or. 
For instance, I can't tell you how often I hear people talk about how nature is a place where they're able to connect so easily with God. And we have no problem talking about the beauty and the wonder of creation and how God's presence seems so readily available when, say, taking a leisurely stroll along the beach at sunset. And these experiences aren't nullified by the sometimes perilous aspects of life on this amazing planet. Hurricanes, wildfires, a deadly virus. Yes, there's a lot of pain and tragedy that we experience as a part of being in nature. But at the end of the day, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who cannot delight in the inherent goodness found in creation. And I believe that we see this same thing as we move forward in the biblical narrative. Take the Psalms for an example. The Psalms are replete with the ugliness of living in a broken world. They're filled with laments and tearful prayers asking for God for healing and, and, and rescue. And yet at the end of the day, the psalmist can reflect on their own embodied experience and say this, I thank you, high God. What a creation. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. In other translations, it reads that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is an incredibly high view of the body, and rightfully so. I mean, anyone who takes the time to look into the workings of human biology can attest to what an amazing creation we've received. And yeah, while things can go wrong with our bodies at times, there are a million ways in which they continue to function and sustain us without us having to do a thing. And I believe that this realization can give rise to a simple practice of gratitude for the gift of our bodies. Like the psalmist, we too can take a moment to praise God for this creation. So place your hand back on your chest and take another deep breath. And, and declare this uh, affirmation, this thanksgiving with me. I thank you, high God. What a creation. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Again, you could make this a kind of breath prayer using the phrase marvelously made or what a creation. And so why don't you do that with me? Marvelously made. Very good. Now, this high evaluation of our bodies comes to a climax in Christ. John's gospel is unapologetic in making the stark claim that the word became flesh. And then the letter to the church in Colossae, Paul writes that for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ. Indeed, the incarnation of Christ is perhaps the strongest affirmation of life in our body. 
The word becomes flesh, spirit embodied in the womb of a woman, solely dependent on the maternal for life. Christ is then birthed into the world just like you and me through the tearing of skin soaked in bodily fluids that he had called home for 40 weeks. Jesus' first words were the cries of a newborn wanting his mother's breast for food. As Jesus grew up, he most certainly experienced the vast spectrum of life in the body, uh, from fighting colds to butterflies in his stomach, hunger and thirst and the bruised knees of childhood. He endured the awkward years of puberty, just like we did, the sore muscles of working in his father's shop and the deep sigh that comes when one finally lays down for a good night's sleep. You know, Jesus could tell his own story and the complex set of feelings that he had related to life in his body. What's more, Jesus certainly knew the limitations and disappointments of living life in a body. In fact, he suffered probably most, more than most of us have and ever will. And yet, the scriptures say that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased. This wasn't a reluctant burden that God endured, but rather it was an act of solidarity and love. For God so loved the world, you know, God becomes that which God loves. That's, in some ways, my definition of the incarnation. God becomes that which God loves. And that includes you and your life in the body. So place your hand back on your chest. Take another deep breath. And make this affirmation with me. God became that which God loves, and God loves my body. It is marvelously made. It is very good. See, this, I believe, is the starting point in relating to our bodies in a healthier way. I believe that we're being invited to trust what God says about our bodies and, and, and what God has done to affirm and redeem the whole of our existence, body, mind, and soul. And one of the ways that we can begin to trust God with our bodies is by ensuring we practice rest. In fact, after God declared creation very good in the opening chapters of Genesis, it says that God rested. James Bryan Smith, in his excellent book, The Good and Beautiful God, states that the number one enemy to spiritual formation today is exhaustion. According to numerous studies, the average person needs approximately eight hours of sleep in order to maintain health. And the failure to do so results in damage to our physical health, loss of energy, and decreased productivity. 
One study revealed that in the 1850s, the average American slept nine and a half hours on average. By 1950, that number dropped to eight hours a night. And today, the average American sleeps less than seven hours. In contrast, the study was done by the National Institute of Mental Health in which participants were allowed to sleep as much as they could each night, and they averaged eight and a half hours of sleep. And as a result, the participants said that they felt happier, less fatigued, more creative, energetic, and productive. Now, you might be saying, what does this have to do with our spiritual lives? Well, if our bodies suffer, so do our souls. You can't compartmentalize the various aspects of who we are. In fact, everything that we do with our lives, including our practice of spiritual formation, we do in and with our bodies. And so if our bodies aren't sufficiently rested, our energies will be diminished and our ability to pray, read the scriptures, enter solitude, serve others, and so on will be minimized. So here's my suggestion for this week. At least one day this week, if you're able to arrange for it, sleep until you cannot sleep anymore. Yes, I'm giving you permission to sleep in. Your, sleep, your aim is to sleep or at least stay in bed until you can honestly say, I feel completely rested. And if for some reason you're unable to do that, then I would encourage you to at least try to increase the amount of sleep you get uh, this week. I'll post some helpful tips this week in the Vineyard Cafe Facebook group for you. Uh, but one of the things I believe that you can do each night as you lay down to sleep is to put your hand on your chest, take a couple of deep breaths, and practice some of those breath prayers we did today. Very good. Marvelously made. God loves my body. Accept the invitation to trust what God says about your body and to allow those biblical affirmations to begin to shift how we relate to life in the body. Amen?